This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 208 with Heather Brooker. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in this episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 208. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. I could not be more delighted to have Heather Brooker back in the Shameless Mom Academy. I had to have her back because she's so extra shameless. She deserves two interviews. Heather is an actress, a comedian, a two-time Emmy award-winning writer, and host of the Motherhood in Hollywood podcast. She's a regular contributor to the Today Show parenting team, the Huffington Post, Mom.me, entertainment website, Wonderwall, as well as her own blog. Heather has appeared on The Office, Grey's Anatomy, and The Mindy Project, just to name a few. She currently lives in LA with her husband and her daughter and her celebrity cat, Gracie, I Love You. Like I said, this is Heather's second visit to the show. I asked her back because she's such a fun interviewee, and I wanted to get her take on all things Hollywood right now. I specifically wanted to know what she's been seeing in her red carpet experiences, She's on the red carpet kind of regularly. She's kind of a big deal. But I wanted to talk to her about what's going on with the Me Too and Time's Up movements and what she's been experiencing, the conversation she's been privy to around all that. We also get into some nitty gritty around parenting as we're both about to lose our babies to kindergarten. And we talk about friendships and why it's so rigorous to make new mom friends. So this was a really fun interview. And I have to say, Heather has been one of the byproducts of this amazing podcast journey. When I set out to start this show, I did not understand the amazing impact that 
these women and interviewees would have on my life. And Heather's one of those people where we met when she did an interview with me early on in the show, but we're on a couple of the same Facebook pages and we just follow each other on social media. And she just totally has my back. And as I have hers as well, And it's really, really nice to have that. And so I actually posted something recent in a Facebook group asking a question about podcasting. She immediately replied, said, hey, PM me. I have thoughts about this. So we started emailing and she was just so helpful and supportive and gracious and giving with her time. And I was like, this is what it's like. Like, this is women helping women. I couldn't be more grateful. And these are the kinds of things that have happened since I've started the show where I'm like, I just feel like I have this whole new network of friends, which has been really, really cool. And it's been just this unexpected gift of podcasting to expand my network and the women in my world. So I'm just grateful that Heather's one of those women and I'm delighted to have her back for a second interview. So listen in to hear Heather share the biggest shifts that she sees happening in Hollywood right now and why they're actually relevant to all of us. This is not just a Hollywood thing what she predicts for the Time's Up conversations at the upcoming Oscars, her thoughts around men in Hollywood right now and how much they're actually shaken in their boots, how she's preparing to lose her daughter to kindergarten next year. We're both prepared for some trauma around this and also drama around making new mom friends. Why is it so damn hard? So let's go ahead and dive in with Heather Brooker. Heather Brooker, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to talk with you again, even though we've been talking already for a long time. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Before we started rolling. We could have like just not done the recording today and just used our whole hour for just chit-chatting with each other. Chatting on the phone and catching up. <laughs> so Heather was on the show early on in the Shameless Mom Academy. Heather was on an episode, which I will link up in the show notes for this episode. But then we're also in a couple podcasting communities together. And so we are able to stay in touch there, which is so fun to see what each other are doing. And of course, we follow each other on social media. So we just are like in all the same places. And we're both redheaded mothers of only children. So we're like basically twins. Yeah. And we're also Facebook friends. So it's official. We're Facebook official. And we're totally Facebook official. (laughs) So when you reached out, when we were, so we were having a conversation about just like podcasting, boring things that would bore the average person. But we were emailing (laughs) about some podcasting stuff. And you were like, hey, let me know if you would want to talk about the Me Too and Time's Up movements on your show ever. And I was like, oh, yes, let's talk about that. So (laughs) before we dive into all that, what I wanted to touch on before we dive into all of that is just having you share a little bit with people what you do with Motherhood in Hollywood and kind of what you're doing with it right now, because it is a really interesting time to be having conversations, especially with women in Hollywood. That is a great point. And I would like to say I anticipated that with um, launching my podcast two and a half years ago, but it was really something I started out of a necessity to meet moms, other moms in my industry, connect with them to see what everyone else was doing, because this is Hollywood by its nature is a very freelance type business. You never know from one day to the next, if you're going to have a job, we don't have an office to go to every day. At least most actors don't. So I started motherhood in Hollywood as a way to connect with and support women in my industry. And it's blossomed into this so much more. Like now I'm actually covering movie premieres and my old station back in Oklahoma where I'm from reached out and asked me to cover entertainment for them as a reporter again, which I was like another lifetime ago. And so now I'm reporting again and I'm getting to meet some wonderful people and hear their stories of motherhood. And, you know, there's a huge perception that 
women on camera, especially or women in the entertainment industry are all very wealthy. We're all just sitting around with like five nannies and, you know, and everything's (laughs) being catered. And like, we're all like Kardashians up in here. (laughs) You know, but like that is not the reality for like 99% of the women in the entertainment industry. It's a lot of hustle. It's a lot of long hours on set. And it's a lot of hoping and waiting for your next job. So motherhood in Hollywood is my way of telling their stories to show people like, hey, we're actually more connected than you realize. I love that. In some of my Hollywood stalking that I do, because I do have like a weird celebrity thing about me. <laughs> I'm a little bit celebrity obsessed, which is kind of Who are you most obsessed with? Who are you like, oh, I want to know this I'm, person? I think I'm most obsessed with the concept of celebrity more so than anyone in particular. But I follow a huge range because like I love following like strong, powerful women and women who are doing new, amazing things like Reese Witherspoon and the things that she's been doing in the last few years. People like Oprah, like those kind of obvious ones. I also like a no shame in my obsession game also follow all of the Kardashians and not because (laughs) not because I think they're amazing people. I'm just fascinated by the idea of celebrity and building business around your Mm -hmm. celebrity status. It's just really interesting to me. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm like an equal. The last time we talked to you said you were a huge fan of Mindy Kaling too. And now she's pregnant. Oh my gosh. Love Mindy Kaling. And again, Mm -hmm. she's someone I was actually just, I think it's the cover of Time that Oprah and Reese and Mindy are all on for A Wrinkle in Time. Or it's yeah, the cover yeah. of some fancy magazine, some for like well-educated, high and mighty kind of people. <laughs> and I saw the cover and I was like, wow, like I wonder if Reese Witherspoon and Minnie Kaling at any point were like, someday I'll be on this like super high-end magazine cover with freaking Oprah. <laughs> of like horse and hound or something <laughs> right. like that. Right, right. Plaid and paid. I don't know right, what it is. Right. There's some some magazine I do not subscribe to. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I'm just really intrigued by the idea. Celebrity. celebrity. Yeah. I get that. Like, you know, I live in LA and there are like people here who are obsessed with celebrity and, you know, you see them walking around going to the grocery store and people lose their minds <laughs> whenever they have, there's a big celebrity spotting or sighting or whatever. I get it. It's the allure of fame. Yeah. It's, you know, it's something that all the way back to like Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor, that sort of like elegant superstar yeah. movie star kind of a thing. And, you know, I don't know that there's that many like movie stars anymore that I look up to or that I'm like, oh, I want to like see this person or be in a movie with this person just because I think I'm too close to it now. I'm too close to seeing the inner workings of Hollywood. But I will say it's fascinating to see like how the other half lives. You yeah, know, like that's where a lot of it, I think. What kind of car they're driving, what they're wearing. Like, I get that. Right. Who has been, so I've had the experience in the land of entrepreneurhood, which is a little different than celebrity land, but I've had the experience multiple times of meeting someone who I thought was just on such a high pedestal and being really disappointed in the meeting. And then other times being really blown away and like, they've totally lived up to my expectations and been everything I wanted them to be and more. Have you had either of those experiences? And as you can feel free to drop names. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think I may have told this story on the last show, but I remember I worked with Steve Carell on The Office mm. and I was a huge fan of The Office for many years. It was actually one of the reasons why I decided to leave Oklahoma and come out to L.A. because I was like, I feel like I want to be on this show. This show looks like a show I would be on. And when I got to work on The Office and work with Steve Carell, he could not have been nicer, more genuine and kind. He was not like yucking it up, like joke, 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 you know, like that. He was just like a normal guy who was just very funny and kind and, you know, like someone you want to be around. So that was a lovely surprise. I also met Elizabeth Shue. She was on my podcast last year and I wasn't really sure what to expect because she's been in Hollywood for a very long time. And she was lovely, like so warm and open and really just talked about her experience as a mom when she decided to take a break to raise her children and, you know, and the difficulties of then like trying to get back into Hollywood. Cause sometimes if you take a break in Hollywood, people forget about you. And so there's a fear that women have before they have kids. Will I ever have a career again? Like, will yeah. anybody cast me again? And that's something I like to expose. Cause I think that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, in any industry, if you, take time off to have a kid or raise your child, you should be able to have a job to go back to. Right. It's ridiculous that it happens. It's not ridiculous that people worry about that because it's a totally valid concern, right? Like it actually happens that they don't have jobs. Yeah. Like you come back and suddenly executives are telling you, oh, you're not castable anymore. Yeah. You don't have enough following on social media. You haven't done anything in a while. So no one's interested, which is just absurd. It's absurd. It's not like your talent goes away when you have a baby. And if anything, I feel like it fleshes it out more and gives you more of a range of emotion and experience, you know, life experience. Yeah. But I haven't really met anybody that comes to mind that I was like, oh, you're kind of a jerk. (laughs) That's surprising (laughs) because I would totally think that that would, I feel like that would happen kind of routinely. (laughs) I'm all about giving the dirt if someone is is rude. (laughs) But honestly, I'm trying to think and there hasn't been anybody that I'm like, oh, well, aren't you a gem? (laughs) But if I think of it, I will call you and okay. tell you. <laughs> we can do an addendum to the episode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Please let's insert the end. <laughs> Yeah. So how have you seen things shift in this last year as you've participated in award shows and conversations around the Me Too and the Time's Up movement? And just what have you been witnessing kind of there in the middle of it all? This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many times a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Well, I will say it is definitely a movement and it is a movement that is not slowing down anytime soon. There are people who are still coming out. Like even just a few days ago, there was another big outing of a voiceover coach in new who's based in New York that dozens of women have come forward and said, oh yeah, this voiceover coach, you know, sexually harassed me and groped me and all of that. So everyone is being held accountable now. Men are being held accountable now. And I think the women who are behind the movement and the women who are directly involved in it aren't letting go. So there's a a seismic shift that has happened in Hollywood. And I think we're seeing it really like for the first time in the Oscars that are coming up. Yeah. So tell me more about that. How do you see this impacting the Oscars? Well, one of the biggest things I noticed so far was that James Franco was not nominated for Best Actor for The Disaster Artist. He was nominated for other movies this season before the allegations came out. He got a Golden Globe and a Critics' Choice Award for his performance. And it is surprising that he was not nominated for an Oscar because usually when that happens that you go on to be nominated for an Oscar doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win, but you're at least nominated. And the allegations against him came out the day before the ballots were due for the Academy Award nominations. So, you know, that's like, to me, like a great example of like an immediate backlash. People are like, oh, no, 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 we cannot, 
even if there's a whiff of scandal or a hint of truth behind any of these accusations, they're not going to glorify him. Yeah. Same thing with Woody Allen. I'm surprised that Woody Allen was not nominated for Wonder Wheel because honestly, the Academy for years has looked oh past my gosh. Yes. accusations against Woody Allen. And they have nominated him time and time again. And this year, there was no nomination, which was really surprising. That's very interesting and telling. Mm. Do you think there'll be direct conversations about those I do. on the red carpet? Yeah, I covered the Golden Globes and that was when we had an all like a blackout on the red carpet. Everybody wore black. And it was so interesting to see that because it's like, are we at a funeral or are we at like an award show? Like what is going on? Like just visually, it was a very striking difference from other difference from other award shows. I think that there's going to be a similar kind of protest, like maybe people will wear pins or ribbons or something like that. Like at the Grammys, everybody carried a white rose. I think there's going to be something similar. And I think there's going to be a lot of conversations about it because, you know, Oprah's speech fired everybody up Mm -hmm. at the Golden Globes. More accusations against people in the industry are coming out every week. More and more stuff keeps coming up about Weinstein. Like, oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, my gosh. The death threats. Like Thurman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read anything. I just keep seeing headlines. But yeah. Uma Thurman finally broke her silence about all Mm. of the stuff she went through and the experience she had with Harvey Weinstein. And I think it was in the New York Times. And that was like last week, maybe or a week before. So it's like every day, every week, more things are coming out. And I think that it truly is a time when women in this industry are saying enough Mm time is up. If you behave this way, We're going to go on our social media platforms and put you on blast and your career is over. Now, I think there have been a couple of instances that for me personally felt a little more vindictive rather than like sexual harassment. And people Mm -hmm. may disagree with me and I fully expect to get like, you know, hate emails or whatever. I welcome them. (laughs) But like for me with NZs and Zaris. I was just going to say, yeah. I was curious if that's what you were alluding to. Go ahead. With that case in particular, I read, you know, both accounts. And I'll, let me preface this all by saying I was not there. I don't know what happened. I am not victim shaming in any way. And I hope it doesn't come across that way. But just based on the report that she gave to, I think it was on Babe or some kind of random website. Yeah, I don't remember the name of what it was. Yeah. But yeah some- It seemed very much like an awkward date where maybe he just didn't pick up on cues. Like, I don't know. It just didn't seem to me to be in the same kind of line with what Harvey Weinstein was doing or some of these other cases where women are truly being victimized. Like the behavior was maybe awkward and inappropriate, but not predatory. Like everybody kept saying, but she could have left. He was, she wasn't under duress in any time, you know, like after she said she wanted to stop, he stopped and they hung out and watched TV for a while. You know, like there's no situation where a woman is like, I'm being raped or harassed or, you know, something like that, where if you say stop and they don't, you know, like it goes too far at that point, obviously. But he stopped and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. And then he said to her the next day, I I had no idea. I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, I misread that situation. For me, that was just the only one where I was like, oh, this might not be the same thing as all of these other things. And now he's 
his career is in jeopardy because of it too. So as women, we have a very powerful voice and we just have to be mindful of that. So that's actually one of the things I wanted to address is what I think is so powerful in all of this and really cool is that the conversations that are happening on the red carpet right now are not about dresses and designers, maybe to the designer's chagrin, but that the conversations are not about these like really insignificant material things. The conversations are actually about powerful topics because Mm -hmm. this is such a powerful thing. Not saying that it's like great that this is happening. And, but I think that it's great that they that women are having much more significant and important conversations on the red carpet. And I'm curious to see how that evolves over time. Not that it will always be about the Me Too or the Time's Up movement, but that it will just be about women having different kinds of conversations in media rather than being like, do you want to look at my jewelers? My, you know, my, I don't even know the name <laughs> of the jewelers, but like my jewelry by so-and-so that's worth, you know, how many, ever many Harry Winston. And, like those kind yeah, like those are just so silly and insignificant. So I really appreciate well, just the value of the conversation. And I hope that continues well beyond this movement. But here's why that happens because of what we were just talking about earlier, how we love to know, like, what are they wearing? Where are they going? (laughs) What are they eating? Are they going to have a burger? You know, like those kinds of silly things are stuff that we just admitted, like we like to know about them. So that's, that's, I think, why they get asked. However, a few years ago, I don't know if you um, remember this or not, if anybody remembers this, but E!, did a Manny cam where they had celebrities put their hand in a box and show off their manicure. Yes, I remember at, that. <laughs> at an award show. And that is, I think, was a pivotal moment where celebrities started going, really? Yeah. Like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. And they started kind of bucking against the like, why don't you ask me about my movie? And then it sort of became this ask me more, like there was an ask me more movement and they wanted to be asked about the movie. And like in press junkets, actresses were always getting asked, like, how did you get in shape? And what was it like to wear that skin tight outfit? And, you know, huge celebrities started bucking back and going, why don't you ask the men that? And why don't you ask me about my character and choices and, you know, and the training I did for the role. Right. So it kind of started a few years ago and with women wanting to have different conversations on the red carpet, then when the Harvey Weinstein story broke, suddenly it was like, yes, we can talk about all of these dirty secrets and these horrible things that have happened. And everybody, I think, is just sort of like, and I'm going to talk about this. And now I want to talk about this isn't right and this isn't right. And so it definitely changed the conversations for sure. Yeah, yeah. I actually really enjoyed, I can't remember who I was talking to about the Grammys and someone was like annoyed. They were like, oh my God, everything has to have like such a big message to it now. Like, (laughs) can we just have like some humor and enjoyment? And I was like loving it all. I'm like, oh my God, like crying the whole time. Look at all these powerful messages. (laughs) I think it's going to be like that for a while. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of Oprah style inspo for a while. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see things shifting for men as a result of these conversations? Where do you see things going? And I mean, I feel like if I was a man in Hollywood, I'd be a little terrified right now. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's what's happening. Like even Seth Meyers made a joke at the Globes about how every man in the room is just real nervous. Like, please don't let him say my name or don't let anybody bring up my name. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think they're being held accountable now for the first time ever, which is great. And that is a bad thing at all. It right. is f- about time right. that that's happening. 
there's a lot of more subtle sexual harassment things that are happening. Like I had some friends who worked on a hit show. They were actually former podcast guests of mine and they worked on a hit show for years where the showrunner would like regularly sexually harass the writers to the point where they didn't even want to sit anywhere near him in the mm. writers meetings. Wow. And yet none of them felt like they could say anything because he was their boss and right. he, that's their bread and butter. And it's like, you know, you don't want to get fired off of a hit show because that then means you may never get another job again. Right. So, and sometimes think, these are people's dream job. I was actually just listening yeah. to, do you listen yeah. to Heather McDonald's podcast, Juicy Scoop? I'm familiar with it, but I don't listen to it. So it's totally feeds my celebrity needs. (laughs) But she was talking to someone about these situations. And she was saying that in some of these cases, it's someone working at their dream job, like they've worked so hard to get to this point to kind of like make it to a certain level, you know, maybe as a writer or whatever. And you don't want to give up your dream job because you're being harassed. You're like, I'm willing to take a certain level because I'm in my dream job. Like this is what I just worked for for 10 years or whatever. And Like you said, if I make a scene, if I get in a compromising situation around this, I lose my dream job. And that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. And you work for a long time to get it's hard to break into this industry in from any aspect of it, from a writer's producer's perspective, from an acting perspective, directing. If you're a woman, especially, it's hard to break in because the opportunities just aren't there. And then when they are, you're expected to put up with more. You're expected to be 10 times better. You're held to different standards. And so When you get to that point, you don't want to let it go and you're willing to look the other way a little bit on stuff. And it's that then I think has given a lot of men an invisible permission slip to push the envelope farther and take more risks and be more inappropriate. And, you know, I think definitely there's some men who are going to heed that warning and go, oh, maybe I shouldn't make a comment about her boobs today. Right. But I think there's also going to be a lot of men who say, whatever, I'm a rich, powerful producer. I do what I want. Because honestly, that's the nature of Hollywood. If you have money and power and you're a star, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Look, I mean, Harvey Weinstein is the perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. He was a rich, powerful man who was intimidated a lot of people and got away with a lot of stuff. And there are still men like that who exist in this industry. So why are these conversations so significant to the rest of us, even though, you know, it's easy to look at Hollywood, it's such a microcosm. And to think that like, in many cases, these are people who have the victims in many cases, even not all cases, by any means. But in some cases, the victims are people who have, you know, some of the money and the clout and stability to come forward and share their stories. And there might be things to be lost for sure. But like Rose McGowan coming forward and sharing her story, she has the resources to like, still be stable and successful afterwards. Not Mm -hmm. that that was not terrifying and scary for her to come forward. Right. But how does this connect to the rest of the world? And how is it bigger than the Hollywood conversation in your eyes? Well, I think because celebrities just by their nature, they set an example. And, you know, again, back to the Kardashians and like, (laughs) you know, like whether or not we want to admit it, We watch what they do. Our young people watch what they do and want to emulate them, like, you know, dance like them, act like them. For better or worse. For better or worse. (laughs) And so I think if you see a large group of women coming together 
and all sort of simultaneously saying, this is not okay. This kind of behavior is not okay. My hope is that that then translates to our young people. I say that like I'm a hundred years old, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, right. those youngins on the, the next generation, the <laughs> next generation. And also, you know, even to people like our age and to, you know, who are fans, I hope that they see that and they go, wow, you know, maybe this isn't just a group of elite rich people who are complaining about, you know, a little touch and bump, you know, or whatever, tickle and waggle. I don't know. <laughs> this is, feel free to use that in your quote for this like show. That's like my, my mom would say about <laughs> sexual harassment. Right? Like this a isn't just tickle a little... And waggle. <laughs> Little bump and ugly. Right. Like it's literally a chronic problem right. in this industry. And if it's happening in Hollywood, you know it's happening right. in other industries and around the world and around the country. So I think the hope is that maybe if fans see it, celebrity, their favorite actor or whatever, taking a stand and speaking up, maybe they have the confidence to do it in their own lives or teach their children to do it. Yeah. And maybe then that sort of catches on and we can eventually, you know, I don't want to sound like all kumbaya and stuff because, you know, live in a world without this sort of thing, but live in a world where a little girl feels strong enough to say, this is not okay what you're doing and I'm not going to allow it anymore. Right. Yeah. It's definitely opened my eyes to a couple different things. One being the conversations that you have with your children about the kinds of compromising the positions they can be in. And those go so much further than just like, don't ever get into a creepy person's van, which I think is always like where we start with those conversations. Like if a scary van pulls up and someone offers you candy, do you get in? Like that's where that always starts. But the reality is like, what do we need to be having our children look out for in school situations and in sports Mm -hmm. and coaching situations and things like that? So I think it sheds some light on the pervasiveness of this issue in all areas where children might be exposed. Yeah. To just people of influence, people of power, people of resources. I overall think it's very positive that we're seeing these kinds of conversations being had um, because I think it changes the context with which we will have them with our kids and it changes the dynamics in in terms of what they can be looking for and what they can have kind of on their radar, which has been eye-opening to me. And I get nervous as my child is less and less under my own watchful eye. I get really nervous about the potential of like what can happen out there. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Yeah. Since we're talking about little kids, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's shift gears a little bit and shift gears into motherhood. And we are both about to lose our only children to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And how are you handling this? You know, it creeps up on me and I start getting really like emotional about it because I don't want to get up that early. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't want, I'm, she's going to be late every day. <laughs> Is she in pre-K this year? Yes. Okay. She doesn't have to go to pre-K until nine. And sometimes even then it's more like nine fifteen. Oh my gosh. We are so in the same boat. So yeah, we're supposed <laughs> so to be bad. there at nine, but we show up at like nine thirteen, and we live across the street from our preschool <laughs> oh, and we no, are, we are the last people to arrive. Like oh, emails are sent out to the entire class about showing up on time. And I'm like, basically she's sending this to me. <laughs> right. She's like, you <laughs> Sarah, be honest. get here on time. <laughs> No, I'm in the same boat and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do when she not only has to be there an hour earlier, (laughs) but the drop off is not as smooth. Like her preschool has this big, beautiful parking lot. Mm. It's right by my favorite coffee shop. Like it's great. The school drop off is like you have to get there 15 minutes early to queue up to like get in the drop off zone and there's no parking for like blocks and blocks around the school. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's going to be a massive game changer. All of that aside, I can't believe my baby is about to be five and she's going to be a kindergartner. And it does catch me sometimes. And I find myself getting very emotional about it. So we're in the same boat with the timeline thing in terms of like having to be out of the house an hour earlier, but we're going to be walking. So I figure, I don't know. So we now walk across the street and we're gonna have to walk four blocks next year, which is going to be terribly traumatic at eight o'clock in the morning. But at least we don't have to get in a carpool line. But I also find myself getting emotional about it. But also, I was actually just thinking about this this morning. Our preschool experience, we've been in the same preschool for four years. And we've really loved a lot of Vinny's teachers there. That's been really great. And I'll miss the closeness to our house. But I'll Mm -hmm. I'll definitely miss some of the components of that community. But I'm also ready to settle in to a longer term relationship and with a school and Mm -hmm. kind of have school be an extension of family. And I feel like that's something that's been missing in the current situation that we're in. And I think maybe that's just the nature of preschool. But I think that at least in the school that we're hoping Vinny will go to, I feel that school will be an extension of family. And with him being an only child, that's really important to me. And I'm already totally Mm -hmm. nerding out about like how much I'm going to volunteer And I'm pretty sure they might be like, actually, we need to cap you. I'm like, you're not allowed to come every day. Oh, there's something true that's true. And then the friendships as well that you will form, like everyone says, that's when you meet your forever mom friends is, you know, elementary school and they grow up together and that sort of thing. Yeah. There's some expectations around 
that being, I'm like, what if this isn't amazing? Because I expect this to be very amazing. So in terms of like this new sense of community and connection and all that. And what if it's not that? So I'm actually more looking forward to it than dreading it. And I feel like when Vinny went into full-time childcare across the street, that's kind of like, you know, him heading off to school thing for me. That said, I probably will be a mess on the first day of kindergarten, but I'm not super fearful of it. But I'm nervous about my expectations. Yeah, no, I dropped Chan off for preschool for the first time. I sat in my car and I cried because I was like, she was by my side all day, every day for like almost three years. And then even though she was only going a couple hours a day, a few hours a week, you know, whatever, I just felt like I was like, oh my God, she's growing up. I'm sending her off into the world, you know, and it was just like a big deal. I think I'll have a similar kind of experience in kindergarten, but I'm ready for the relationships and the friendships because I too haven't really had a big connection with the preschool parents. Like this is so terrible to admit. And I hope none of them are listening to this podcast, but I don't know any of the names of the other parents at my kids' preschool because we all drop off at different times yeah, yeah. and I'm never there at the same time as anybody else. Right. And aside from the like occasional birthday party invite, I don't really know any of the other parents. So I feel bad. So I'm looking forward to making those connections there because I've had some interesting friendship moments as a mom, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that expectations around friendship, like, I think people just have very different expectations. And I think, you know, some people, you know, in that drop off setting Mm -hmm. where it's just like, I'm in and out, I'm already focused on what I need to do at work, or I'm already focused on making dinner or whatever. I think that's a little different. And especially when you know a setting is more, I don't know, I don't know that preschool is a temporary setting. Temporary, yeah. It feels a little more temporary. So it'll be interesting to see how that shifts in a grade school setting. That said, I just hope I'm not like setting myself up to be totally disappointed and be like, wait, I thought I was going to have all these new best friends. No one wants to hang out with me. (laughs) What's going on? I know. Well, you know, I'm kind of feeling that way too. I mean, her elementary school is much closer to our house than her preschool. And so far, it seems like at least the conversations with a few parents I've had, none of them are going to her elementary school. We are literally going to be starting over. Mm with meeting all new, you know, parents and moms and stuff like that. And I'm a little nervous about that. You know, I recently had a pretty horrible breakup with some mom friends and I'm a little nervous. I have to say, and I, you know, I don't know if other women go through this or not, but when you're a grown up and you have friends who treat you poorly and like, you know, break up with you essentially as a mom it's devastating and heartbreaking. And then you've got your child as another element to that, Mm -hmm. that adds another layer of like guilt and heartbreak. And you just kind of go, what, when does this stop? Like, when do we as grownups get to meet our, you know, forever mom friends and not have to deal with this stuff? It's yeah, it's very hard to make mom friends. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of layers to it. And like, I think there's layers to finding someone that your kids click well with and you click well with, and it's not easy to find both. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shifts over time. I think for me, like one of the things you were saying earlier about Channing being at your side for the first three years, I was thinking about how I very much feel like Vinny is like my little sidekick. And Aww. even though he's been in full-time care for quite a while now, but <laughs> for a long time, he was home like one or two days a week still. And whatever. And I enjoy the problem in all of this is that he just gets to be more and more enjoyable. 
And so I'm like, oh, he's actually really fun to hang out with. now. <laughs> and so I think that's like the most disappointing part of it is like, he's getting to be really fun to hang out with. I didn't know this was going to happen. And yeah, I'm losing him. And now I'm going to lose him to these other friends. And I hope that there's a, my hope is that there's some sort of dynamic around like him choosing fun friends that have fun parents <laughs> where it can just be this like one big happy friend family. I know. It's like, hey, now listen, only be friends with the people who <laughs> seem like they have a cool mommy right, totally. and daddy because daddy's important too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No. And that's if only we could set that up, <laughs> like yeah, make yeah. that happen. I think we're just going to have to hope for the best and like see what happens. And, you know, maybe we have to wait. To, I hope we don't have to wait till high school. <laughs> to, like, <laughs> you know, but I don't think it happens in high school because I think by then they're so independent that you don't get to know the kids' parents as much yeah I don't know. oh I will <laughs> my kid is not oh yeah I'm totally gonna be that mom that's like my daughter is not going out with your daughter or riding in a car with your son yeah until I know you know right. where you live right. know where your son gets his drugs or whatever <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> so that's why I want to be like the volunteer where I can like totally like spy on all the kids and like kind of assess it all yeah <laughs> totally so... be like see what's what right 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 <laughs> definitely so I feel like there's going to be almost like an application process around making new friends. And the reason I think this is because, are you familiar with Stephanie Wilder Taylor and Lynette Carolla's show for crying out loud? It's a podcast. Yes, yeah. So uh -huh. I love their show and the, both of them, but Stephanie in particular seems to have a lot of stories about parents and different situations she's been in with parents who have really interesting expectations around, you know, play dates and just all sorts of sports situations and also there's like, I mean, she reads some of these text strings and emails that she's on in coordinate in conjunction with coordinating carpools and stuff. And it's just like mind blowing what some of these parents ask of each other and what some of their expectations are. And so I feel like there's this kind of like hidden like application process that's like discreetly happening under the radar at all times. And yeah. it's a little intimidating, but also I'm like, are there just a lot of super crazy parents out there? Because well, when I, I listen to so. this, I feel like there are. I think so. Which it might not be a good thing to say on a mom podcast, know. but some of y'all crazy. I, well, <laughs> and I think like there's a point where you have to check yourself a little bit and check your expectations right. and like operate with a little more self-awareness, compassion. Like some of it might be too in LA because Stephanie and, and Lynette are yeah, here they are in, in LA. LA. And <laughs> LA moms are a different kind of breed that makes me feel better because i'm like oh my gosh i don't know how i'll good. deal with people like this no. like the stuff that i tell my best friend back home in oklahoma about she's like oh my god what but it's more like oh my god <laughs> i can't believe they act like that and i'm like yeah they do they do so maybe it's That's LA interesting well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I won't have any sort of, I mean, like the mom drama, I feel like at least in some of the stories they've shared, the mom drama or the parent drama is way bigger than the kid drama in many cases. Yeah, yeah no, it's true. It, have you seen Dance Moms, that TV show Dance oh gosh, Moms? No. It is all about the moms <laughs> getting crazy. So, this I feel like this episode is usually I'm like take courage courageous action and be more self-actualized and today we're just like let's just not be crazy <laughs> the moral of the story <laughs> is like tell your me too stories and also don't be crazy. do not be like the mom who ostracizes yourself from the rest of the group because you don't check yourself before you send a text or, a, or you wreck yourself. Email. I always tell, I always encourage 
people and my friendships in what I do, or at least I try to do, is I stop before I react to something and I stop and I think, is this a personal attack on me? Right. Is this something that I truly believe they're doing something to me or are there other circumstances why they may have said something like that or done something like that? Maybe they had a family member that just passed away. Maybe they just found out their husband just cheated on them. Maybe they just right, won the lottery right. and totally. they're being weird. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. So I try to like think for a second, is this a personal attack on me? And like, proceed with caution, if, you know, before I fire off something, because I can have a temper and I have like fired off text messages before that I wish I could take back. So I'm trying to get better about that. Yeah, I have that reactive tendency as well. And I actually earlier this year, a few months ago, I can't remember. Oh, it was. So the director of the preschool sent out an email about a date change related to the holiday. They were doing this holiday little Christmas event thing. And he sends out this email that's like, oh, whoops, the holiday event that we thought was going to be this Friday, it's actually next Friday. Oopsie, I had the wrong date. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the biggest event that they have for the families to attend every year. And this is going to be like Vinny's fourth year doing it. He's so excited about it. He's been practicing songs and choreography for months now. And we can't make it on the date that has now been rescheduled to with two days notice. So I saw the email and I was like, I immediately started drafting an email to all the moms in Vinny's class rather than replying to the director's email. I just was like, I'm going to oh, write to all oh, these moms no. and be like, how dare he? And I like write the whole thing. And I'm like, I just can't believe this. And this kind of communication, like we have to put an end to it now. <laughs> so I write the whole thing out. And then I'm like, I think I need to think for a minute before I hit send. <laughs> so this is like at three o'clock in the afternoon. So I don't send the email. I go and pick Vinny up. I see a couple parents there and I'm like, oh my gosh, did you see the email? I can't believe it. And I told them, I was asking if they saw the director's email, not mine because I hadn't sent it. So then I got home and I'm telling my husband, he's like, I think you need to sleep on the email situation. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning and I was like, yeah, like I can't send that. It's not going to be productive. It's basically like, I just wanted everyone to validate my feelings of feeling like so enraged and yes. it would not have been productive. And so I deleted it. And then at the next birthday party, I just told all the parents about it. Like, about like <laughs> so just so you guys know, I wrote this email. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I didn't send it, so it doesn't count. I'm right. going to tell you. But I just it. wanted you to know that I did write an email about how inappropriate this date change was. <laughs> so, oh, my yeah. gosh. I feel you, though, because when you get passionate about something, you want to make sure other people are on your side and that right. you're not alone in you're crazy. <laughs> like, totally. who wants to come be crazy with me? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> totally. Like, please, can we revel in it together? Yes. It's so much more fun that way. Okay. So before we go, I want you to tell us in what ways you're a shameless mom. Okay. I will tell you that I am unequivocally, unabashedly, embarrassingly confident. I love that. <laughs> I think, I think, I don't know how, what my mom, what magic sauce she did to raise me to be probably undeservedly confident, but I pretty much am like, I will tackle any situation head on. I am proud of who I am and what I've become and what I'm doing with my life. I think I'm a great actress. <laughs> you know, I'm like, there's a fine all line between things. confidence. All true things. All true things. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I ride that line pretty closely. <laughs> you know, I teach my daughter to have that confidence whenever she can, because I hate the thought of her not being a confident woman in the choices she makes in her career and her love life and 
all of that. So yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. That was actually my follow up question was how are you instilling that in your daughter? Because I had this glimpse when Vinny was two, and he was being bitten a lot in his class. And I thought, Oh, my gosh, he's gonna be which is totally normal for a two year old preschool classroom. But it was happening routinely. And he wasn't crying when he got bit. So they often didn't know when it happened, he would just come home with bite marks. And I thought, Oh, my gosh, he's setting himself up like he's just accepting basically being bullied and like I read so much into this whole thing and I was like oh my gosh like my child is already being bullied I wasn't upset with about the other child because I understand that two-year-olds bite and the other parents were like really hands-on engaged parents I actually felt bad for them but I just thought oh my gosh how do I set this kid up to be a good self-advocate and here he is too so we're literally like at home like practicing him saying like you cannot bite me (laughs) (laughs) But I I was so worried about him not being confident and not standing up for himself, which now does not seem to be an issue. But it's an interesting thing to, as a confident person or someone who really sees that as a strong, important, significant value, it's an interesting thing to consider when child rearing. I think it's such an important Mm -hmm. responsibility. And honestly, it's so good that you did start that when they were little. Plant those seeds, you know? I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. The earlier, the better. Well, hopefully it worked. (laughs) Seeds Seeds of confidence. Yes, yes, totally. Well, this has been so fun, Heather. I so appreciate you coming back on the show. Can you tell us where we can find you, where we can find your show, and how people can celebrity stalk you? Absolutely. You can go to motherhoodinhollywood.com. That's where I post all my podcasts and um, musings and entertainment stories that I cover and that sort of thing. Also, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Motherhood in Hollywood and over on Twitter where I tweet sometimes inappropriate things at Heather Brooker. (laughs) I love it. This is my favorite kind of tweets. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so fun and we have to do it again. I mean, this probably needs to be an annual event. Yes. Oh, I would love that. I'm like I said earlier, before we started recording, I'm so proud of you and everything you've done with your show. And I have been following your journey and admiring you every step of the way. So thank you so much for having me on. This is so nice of you. And the feeling is mutual. I love following your journey as well and seeing all the red carpets you're on. (laughs) (laughs) My red carpet goals. (laughs) There you go. Okay, we will talk soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining Heather and me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I hope you learned something new and I really hope that you also laughed a little because even though we talked about kind of heavy subjects, I totally appreciate that Heather can bring a little bit of humor even when things are a little tough and a little thought provoking and just a little uncomfortable sometimes. So I really appreciate her perspective and her ability to add a little laugh in where it's appropriate when it's appropriate. If this episode was helpful to you or you think it might help someone else out, please do share it out and you can share it out by taking a screenshot and posting it on social media and tagging the Shameless Mom Academy. You can also go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 208, and you will get a link for the episode that you can share out on social media that way. You can also email out that link, text it to people, like whatever you want to do to communicate with your people. Also, this timing of this episode is interesting. Next week, I'm interviewing Kelly Heron, and Kelly Heron is a woman in Seattle who was brutally attacked last year while running. She stopped in a park to go to the bathroom in the middle of a run and was a victim of an attempted rape. She tells her story. It is a dramatic, very traumatic story. And I am so looking forward to sharing her story with you, not because it's a fun story, but I think there is so many valuable lessons around her story. And I think that also her sharing her story will 
save other women, other women who have been victims of these kinds of circumstances and other women who might find themselves in compromising situations down the road, I think you'll get some good ideas on how you can protect yourself. So definitely tune in. Heather's interview, I think is a good segue because we're talking about these conversations about women coming out with their stories, women sharing their true experiences and feeling like they can be heard. And I think it is so important. And so I think that Kelly's interview next week, while much more serious than Heather's interview, is along the same lines in terms of we're done holding these stories in. We are done standing for this kind of behavior. Time's up, guys. Time is up. We are ready to share our stories, to hold people accountable for their actions and for their behavior and to stand together as women to make sure that we are all protected and safe. So I'm really excited for you to hear that interview. And that's next Wednesday. Of course, we also have our regular solo show on Monday. So lots of good stuff coming up for you in the next week. If you have not already, make sure you subscribe to the show by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, which will drop you into our Apple Podcasts portal and allow you to click the little subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can also leave a review while you're there. So lots of reviews. I swear every time I go in, there's new reviews now, which is just, I'm grateful beyond measure. And I love the things that you are sharing when you write reviews, help other moms see what the show is about so they can look at, read the reviews and say, oh yeah, this is what I need in my life. So I really, really appreciate you all sharing your experiences with the Shameless Mom Academy and sharing how the show has directly impacted your life when you write a review. So again, you can take care of all of that over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. Have a fantastic day. Have a lovely rest of the week. Thank you for joining me. I can't wait to do it again in a few more days. And no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.